Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome. What episode are we on? Episode 17. 17. Nice. <laughs> and thank you so much for tuning in. We are jumping into chapter three. We left off on text number 13, if you are following along, and we're going to start on text 14. But a quick recap of last episode, Shamali. Beautiful. So our last episode, we just started chapter three, Karma Yoga. Karma yoga being the action yoga of how to connect to God through everything we're doing. We left episode two, which was the longest one in the Gita. Oh, so long. Oh, Oh, so so long. long. It was this context (laughs) of the Gita summarized everything, kind of like just laying it all out there. We talked so much about the constitution of the soul. Then we get to episode or text chapter, my goodness, 13. And Arjuna's (laughs) like, Krishna, okay, but you lay this all out. Please give me direct guidance. You laid out so many different paths, but tell me, what do I do? And he was sincerely asking Krishna for help. So Krishna laid out this concept of karma yoga that's connected to, you have your eternal dharma that we know we're eternally servants of the Lord. And you have your temporary dharma that, okay, while we we want to do devotional service that's directly connected to Krishna, we live in this world, we have to work, we have occupations and duties. And it's the concept of how to transform everything you do through your consciousness to become an instrument for Krishna and to let go of your ego and to kind of offer your results to him so that you can start having Krishna work through you. So whether you're a teacher, an accountant, whatever other examples we had given in the previous episode, we're going to connect that service to the divine, to Krishna, so that through our consciousness, even if we're not able to renounce everything and dedicate everything to pure devotional service or bhakti yoga, we're still able to practice that through our work by a shift or a pivot in consciousness. Oh my God, Shelley, that was amazing. <laughs> that was I don't beautiful. know how you just like just won it. You know, you were just like, I'm just going to talk about karma yoga. That was, that I was know, incredible. Shama and I were both just staring at Shama. I was like, like how wow. is she so eloquent oh about gosh, explaining it? Because let's be honest, folks, like the beginning of chapter three is kind of hard, right? Because it introduces this new philosophy of karma yoga, which you beautifully explained, oh, right? And it. I think Arjuna at the beginning of this chapter was also very confused, right? He was like, right. Krishna, tell me, he says decisively like don't give me ikea instruction manuals like i want really specific instructions on what i need to do so thank you so much Shelley, for for summing that up for us i just want to add on the last few texts we've been hearing a lot about sacrifice right that word sacrifice and what it means to give up something great for something greater um and it can be as small as offering a flower offering our food before we eat like small things like working out after a hard day of work like just examples like that and so then we got into the idea of like the grains and the wind and all mm. these different energies and how they're brought up to us by the demigods. And who are the demigods, right? Like Lord Ganesh and Indra, right. Indra Lakshmi. Yeah. Like the cosmic managers of the yes. Lord. Yep. Yes. So um, it, with that in mind, we're going to get to text 14 because we're still continuing to talk about these sacrifices and how the demigods are connected to right. it. Right. And yeah. I wanted to bring up one last example. We had talked about connecting it to our story, which we had talked about the three of us, how as we get into all these lofty concepts, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the story. So bringing these concepts back to Arjuna, you might ask, well, is Arjuna performing karma yoga or bhakti yoga? And again, bhakti yoga is connected to your eternal dharma, to your eternal, we're servants of the Lord. Dharma, dharma duty. Y- yeah, dharma is your duty duty. And karma yoga is connected to your temporary dharma, your temporary position or role or job. So when Arjuna's fighting on the battlefield, 
did we say he's doing bhakti yoga or karma yoga? And I think we concluded that he's doing kind of a combination of both because Mm -hmm. Krishna gave him direct order. You need to fight. So he's directly carrying out his devotional service. That's bhakti yoga. But technically, Arjuna's a satriya. He's a householder. He's like a man of the world. So fighting is his karma yoga. His career. His career. That's what he's we supposed to be doing. We all have careers. It, Wait, so if I'm hearing you correctly, Shalmi, so bhakti yoga is like developing that beautiful relationship with God, Krishna, right? And doing service for Krishna. But yeah, it's direct service while karma yoga is indirect, but you make it service through your consciousness. Ah, so karma yoga can be different. Your your career, what you yeah, said, Yeah, like right? giving, giving the fruits of your career or, right. you know, shifting your perspective in the way of your career. You can find things that lead you back to Krishna, serving Krishna more directly. Right, right. And we laid okay. out kind of in chapter two the ways you can do this, but it's kind of being detached from the results. So you're keeping almost, I visualize it like I put my head down, I'm going to do my work and my duty and my dharma, but I'm going to be detached from the results. And I'm going to try to not see myself as the doer, but try to allow myself, position my consciousness in a way that Krishna's energy can work through me. And he will all of a sudden start moving and guiding my life. Ooh, I love that. That's beautiful. Super sweet. All right, the invocation letters. All righty. Om Jnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Shakshurum Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. Jai. All right. So we are on chapter number three, text 14, Priya. All living bodies subsist of food grains, which are produced from rains. Rains are produced by the performance of yagya or sacrifice. And yagya is born of prescribed duties. Okay. There's so much to unpack here. And I almost want to add a little, before we dive into the purport, I must say, when I read this, I was like, okay, hold up. So you're not telling me that if we stop doing yagyas, it's going to stop raining tomorrow because that's just not, that's not how it functions. So I had a long conversation with my parents who've also been bhakti yoga practitioners for a long time. So in a way, they're like my mentors, my my first gurus that I turned to before I found an actual guru. But um I struggled with this concept, you know, mm-hmm. because if you try to explain this to anyone in an academic field, They'll think like, yeah, right, that's not going to happen. But we had a really interesting talk with my parents because they explained, right, this doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you stop doing yagyas and tomorrow is going to stop raining or whatever. Mm. What do you mean by yagyas right now? Yagya is what we were talking about, sacrifices, whatever like, type of... What, what does that mean to you, right? Because like if someone's trying to visualize... Ooh, what, like a rain dance. Yeah. Right? Like, is that what you mean? Because well, a, a sacrifice could be that the farmers are spending late hours and hours like uh, harvesting the land or ah, like... True. Or it could mean... Like, what does it mean when you're referring to this? Like, people can visualize what right. you're perceiving. Well, in the... Con- it's true. Yagyas can be different types of things. They talked about in this age, the Sankirtan Yagya or performing like chanting God's names to mm. clear our consciousness. But I think in the context of this verse, it confused me, to be honest, because here, let's read it again. Rains are performed by performance of Yagya sacrifice. So I kind of in my head, I pictured what? We're doing a fire sacrifice. And if we don't do the fire sacrifice tomorrow, it won't rain. That's What's a mm-hmm. fire sacri- sacrifice? Ah. So you remember, okay, so you, okay, so I kind of, let me take a step back. So like, you know, when you go to an Indian wedding, right? I don't know how many people have you been to an Indian or maybe Hindu wedding, right? Have you seen one on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, right? Indian matchmaking? (laughs) You've seen Indian matchmaking, right? So you know when the the couple, like they tie the knot 
then they're like joined and then they do like seven circles around a sacred fire. So that's like a fire sacrifice where there are right. grains that are offered to the fire and the fire, what does the fire represent? It represents in it's many contexts, it can be elaborate yeah. different things, but you're trying to cultivate, yeah, like a, a deep mood of gratitude. Yes. And you're offering these to the different gods that are within the fire and you're kind of asking for, hey, I hope this ceremony that we're performing is auspicious. Can you give us right. blessings? Yeah, right. can you give us blessings for this? So right. to what Priya had said earlier, it's true, a sacrifice can be, oh, I'm going to till the fields and that's my service to the Lord. And then, mm-hmm. of course, that will affect how the crops grow. But when I first read this, my mind went to like, so what are you telling me? If I don't perform this fire sacrifice in the mood of gratitude, it won't rain tomorrow. Right. You know, I kind of had that pause. So and I, I mean, even if it wasn't that, even if it was like, oh, if I don't chant Hare Krishna tomorrow, there's not going to rain. Like, right, even if you right. thought about that concept, right. like that works right. too, right? Like, like goes along with what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah? So I yeah. had this talk with my parents and a few points that I took that I wanted to make note of here in case the listeners have the same doubts and thoughts. Right. It doesn't happen, first of all, overnight. So it's not like we stop doing yagyas or sacrifices to develop gratitude and tomorrow it'll stop raining, crops will not grow and all of that. So to backtrack, we had kind of laid out this world is divided into four yugas, the kind of like the different cycles that we enter. And actually that lines up with the scientific explanation of the world is cyclical. And the Vedic explanation is one of the only ones that lines up with the uh, scientific explanation of the world going through cycles. So we are in the fourth yuga, Kali yuga. Like let's say fourth cycle. The fourth cycle of the world where in previous cycles, people had much more morality, dignity. And you notice that a lot of the problems of the world, like global warming and things that show that the earth is suffering are happening now, now that people have really become more degraded, are treating the world not in a respectful way, we're kind of just taking it as if it's ours. Now, maybe not the common man tries to recycle and do well, but there's a lot of corrupt leaders who whatever, oil spills, different things. We could name so many things we're doing to the earth that are making yeah. Mother Earth hurt. And it's exactly connected to the previous verses in which they were saying, we're just not showing gratitude. We're taking and taking without mm. showing that yeah, gratitude. Right, taking right? selfishly as if we're the owners of everything. Like this is mine to use right. and squeeze the juice out of for my own selfish motives. So throughout the different yugas, as morality, dignity, a sense of justice, and how we that translates to how you treat others in the earth, that was lost over time. So we're in the fourth yuga or the most corrupt one, it's showing in so many ways. We're degrading our morals. The earth is hurting. You can just look, okay, yeah, global warming is the effect of X, Y, and Z, but you can also take a step back and most people do accept as a premise that we've treated the earth in a certain way to cause all of this. So our actions have a certain reaction and it's pretty evident in how what's happening now in the state of the planet that we've treated it and exploited its resources far beyond what should should have happened. Right. So if you think about yagyas as this cycle to cultivate gratitude, then it starts making sense like, ah, right, it's not that it's going to happen tomorrow, but over millennia and thousands of thousands of years, we have acted in a certain way that now we're reaping the fruits of our actions. Hmm. We have lost in touch with gratitude and with this servitude sense of like, this has been provided to me. Let me make the most and take care of this. I so, see what you're saying. You so you're saying I mean? like, so there's the four yugas, right? So you're thinking like, 
uh, we know if you read the Srimad Bhagavatam, you'll learn more about this. But in the four yugas, like the first one, people were so smart. They could right. uh, remember everything they heard. They, there was like all these qualities. And like as time goes on, the fourth yuga is the last one. And then it kind of repeats back to the first one, right? So right. it's like a... Which, like I said, totally follows, side note, the scientific yeah. explanation. The world goes through different s- stages. And then it kind of, in their explanation, it'll come back to the first one. It's cyclical. And that's literally the Vedic explanation of how science explains right, the world right, going. Right. Sorry, continue. No, you're good. So you're the good. yugas, wait, yugas, yeah. yugas, Sanskrit word, what does it mean? Like when you say yuga, does it mean age? Ages. Right? Yeah. Ages. The different cycles of the earth, literally from the time of creation to the time of destruction. And right. that's how science also explains the world came into a creation. My mind is blown. <laughs> it goes through its cycles and then it'll come into destruction. And again, it's cyclical. Right? Yeah. It's like thousands and thousands of years. So like, you know, you have a decade, which is 10 years and you know, like that. Well, a yuga is like thousands and thousands of years. So it's like another word for measuring time. Yeah. Right. And we just have to happen to have like four of these particular time periods and how we name them kind of like the right. seasons right that's how we measure time i love that's that. how we measure yeah. time right so priya um, was re- in your own words you were saying kind of like what you oh, thought yeah. of what so I so said. so then on the first yuga the people were like ideal citizens right. they were doing all these yagya sacrifices they were doing like the fire sacrifices right. that we just talked about like where king we like Yudhisthira's show the appreciation king of Dharma. right like all these wonderful things are happening so in reaction mm-hmm. also the following yugas get some of that that um benefit benefit right and so as we have gone on we are kind of now receiving some of that actions that we've perform in the past that haven't been as great because we've degraded over time. That's what you're right. saying, yeah? Right, exactly. Like we're directly seeing the reactions of the actions we put in. So you might not believe in, in yagyas, but as a concept, take it a step back. Yagyas are to create gratitude. What happens when we don't have gratitude? We take things selfishly like this is mine to squeeze the juice we're out thieves. of. We're mm-hmm. thieves. So what happens when now we're in the final age of corruption, the final yuga, and these big politicians and leaders who are corrupt and just want money are squeezing the earth and its resources for all it has? I mean... It's going to show we're, we're, we're losing that sense of service attitude of I'm yeah. going to treat this with respect. Yeah. And you, you could take a look. It's like what's what's happening with climate change, right? Yeah. There's more droughts. There's more flooding. So there's just there's more hurricanes. There's just so many things that are happening to us because we haven't been grateful for. for and you our- can also take a look at the people that are kind of leading our societies or the billionaires of, of our world and how they're behaving. I uh, don't quote me on this, but I. <laughs> Uh, I heard this article or I read this article in which they were talking about how Elon Musk continues to say that the population is decreasing and that it's concerning that people should be having more children. And the article was explaining that, yes, the population is decreasing, but we're at the most amount of people that we've ever had. And we're continuing to increase that number highly. And what is expected is that we're going to get at the highest that population can ever be and then it's going to start decreasing naturally because of cycles of mm-hmm, everything yeah. right mm-hmm. and so the the big concern that elon musk has isn't that oh lord we're not going to have enough population like in a, in a problematic way but more so that i'm not going to have consumers <laughs> that i'm not going yeah. to have people creating global warming so that i can make electric cars right. that i'm not going right. to have no one's going to buy so, my teslas <laughs> exactly yeah. right so like and he's not even the most corrupt of them all out there yeah so that just goes to show how we want to to like exploit yeah how some people want to exploit for the benefit and not really just 
take as much as we need and then be grateful for that, mm-hmm. right? Like that right. that's not something that most people do nowadays, which right. is really unfortunate. And it's so funny because he's worried about things that are going to happen like 50, 100 years where he's not even going to be alive. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's kind of a stupid game plan. <laughs> right. And the thing is, the other follow-up point is that we've been given so much. So to not have that mood of gratitude, since I said how like it doesn't happen overnight, it's kind of the example of if you give money to someone over time, if they're ungrateful, you're not going to really have this mood of anymore wanting to give, give, give. So it doesn't happen just in a day, but over time, these kind of cosmic managers who are in charge of all of these things, they're ultimately servants of Krishna carrying out all these functions. It's like, well, if we're not going to be giving any gratitude for thank you for everything we've been given, the results show in how the earth is declining environmentally. And one last point, one day for a demigod, Fun fact is 100 years for a human. So I thought that was so interesting connecting it to this concept, because if we don't give in gratitude for all we've been given, we see the results over time. In the, like I said, in this fourth and final yuga, that the earth is really in its worst stage. But that's only in a matter of not so much time in the demigods, like <laughs> stratosphere in their uh dimension so yeah. to speak yeah. so anyway no, i mean i picture it like for example a day of for us is how long for an ant <laughs> yeah oh, or you know so what i mean long. like just like right. perspective to understand what it must be for yeah. demigods i don't know that's right. real bring it back to the verse for a second so basically i can do a caveman understanding of this verse <laughs> we humans need food food come from rain rain come from yaga or sacrifice Yaga good, essentially, right? <laughs> Yaga creates feeling of gratitude. <laughs> Yaga creates feeling of gratitude. So Mother Earth does not hurt. That's how you connect it to a very Love real it. level. Because if not, so you hear sorry. all this talk of Yaga and it's like that feels disconnected, but it's really all connected. It's a whole cycle of just giving and receiving. Love that. Yeah, I, I think there's this uh, part here where they reiterate uh, the fact that all the demigods are like different body parts of Krishna. Mm-hmm. And so by, by doing grateful acts, right, or like giving sacrifice to these demigods, you're also benefiting Krishna. But the thing, the line that I like the most, and this is something relevant because so far we've been saying, yes, demigods are good. We should serve them. We should serve them. We should serve them. Right. The line here is, um, therefore there is no separate need to worship the demigods because the, uh, worshiping Krishna automatically satisfies them, right? Like we were saying, yeah. So it's like, you don't have to go to Lakshmi and be like, Lakshmi, give me money. And you don't have to go to Ganesh and be like, Ganesh, please remove my obstacles. You don't have to do all that. You just worship Krishna and they're all satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Connecting it to the example of like, if you give someone money who's ungrateful, ultimately you're not going to want to give them anymore. Well, knowing that Krishna is the top and all the demigods are his servants. Imagine that if my mom were to give me money, then I go and give that money to a few of my friends who are in need and those friends later go thank my mom I'll be just as happy because I know that came from me so I'm kind of like in a way the demigods who are servants of Krishna are just as happy if you just go directly to the source and offer your love to him yeah I wish I knew that growing up actually because like we used to go to the temple all the time like a regular Hindu temple and there's like (laughs) 75 different deities and statues there, right? And it's yeah. like, the, what's the flavor of the month deity that we're going <laughs> to pray to for what we need, right? But this is basically what you said, um, Priya, is just like praying to these demigods, like you could just pray to Krishna directly because all service and sacrifice goes eventually
actually to him. So you might as well cut out the, the middleman, but in the most respectful way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes it less overwhelming. Yes. Sometimes it can be really overwhelming to think that you have to pray here, pray here, pray here. Just focus on Krishna. Krishna will right. take care of the rest. Like, that. Connecting sort of the it to what you had said in the beginning, Priya, you asked what type of yagya are, am I talking about? What type of sacrifice? I even think connecting it to the story, Arjuna fighting is his yagya because he doesn't want to fight. He wants to run into the forest and give it all up. But Krishna telling him to fight. So he's going to perform his duty, yeah. his karma or bhakti yoga, we had said, his karma yoga, his dharma, his his action yoga. And he's going to fight and do his yagya, his sacrifice. Yeah. It says here, um, so because by worshiping Krishna, all the demigods are also, you know, satisfied. And so it says, for this reason, the devotees who offer food to Krishna and then eat, um, this action not only removes sinful reactions in the body, but it, the body becomes immunized to all contaminations of material nature. So it's just like benefits of doing this, right? Like right. you're purifying your body by making such sacrifices. Mm -hmm. I love that. Anything else on text 14? Moving on. Anything else, Bri? Uh No, it's okay. All right. So moving on to text 15, <laughs> chapter 3. Regulated activities are prescribed in the Vedas, and the Vedas are directly manifested by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Consequently, the all-pervading transcendence is eternally situated in acts of sacrifice. Okay, that's a lot. Let's take that apart now. Yeah, can we read it one more time? Yep. Regulated activities are prescribed in the Vedas. Okay, cool. And the Vedas are directly manifested from Krishna. Okay. Right? Sense. Okay. Consequently, then, the all-pervading transcendence, is that Krishna too? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then Krishna is eternally situated in acts of sacrifice. Okay. That's if, you, if you caveman this one. Yes. It goes... Things you're supposed to do are in the Vedas. Vedas are made by Krishna. You can reach Krishna by doing sacrifice. Boom. I like that. That's perfect. That's right. That's really great. I like the caveman thing that you yeah, do. Yeah, right. Because it really just breaks down that verse because it's it's it can be a little complicated when you're just reading this for the first time. But it's essentially what you said, Priya, right? It's just like it's like Krishna is in all of these acts of sacrifice as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He basically gave so many different forms of directions in the Vedic wisdom as how us souls who are so conditioned in this world can basically go back home, back to him. Yeah. It says the Vedas are therefore codes of working direction. So they're just like guidebooks right. for spiritual life. And anything performed without this direction is is considered unauthorized or sinful work. Mm. Now, dun, dun, dun. I do think one important line here, the purport says, because we've talked about a lot about like your prescribed duties, the Vedas. It sounds like very technical, so many rules and regulations. But here, the last line of the purport says, even those who had not followed the Vedic injunction may adopt the principles of Krishna consciousness, and that will take the place of performance of Vedic yagyas. Can you say that again? So basically that's it's saying... Slowly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Basically that's saying that even if you don't follow any Vedic injunctions or rules... If someone simply adopts the principles of Krishna consciousness or trying to put your consciousness to connect everything to Krishna, that'll take the place of all performances of Vedic yagyas. So it's basically, yes. it just laid out all of these elaborate yagyas. It told people how to be consumer shoppers from the most light and beautiful, pure yagyas to the most dark and demonic ones. Not that Krishna wants us to do that, but he wants to lay them all out there. He's saying the best yagyas are those that are transcendental, that are forms of love. And this final line he's saying, but you know what? You don't even need to do yagyas. 
if you develop Krishna consciousness, if you develop God consciousness and just offer your love. I love that. And you're right. We talked about this a little bit in chapter two as well, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's like the Vedas have so many cheat codes and loopholes and whatnot. And Krishna's like, you don't need to do any of that stuff. Just have devotional service towards me. And so you don't, you can avoid that entire process. And that's in a way what entire chapter three is about because the title karma yoga is that very essence of you don't have to give up everything and just direct i mean it's beautiful if you can just directly do service but if you're not able to don't worry krishna's saying you can still dedicate everything you're doing in your ordinary day-to-day life to me through karma yoga yeah that's really good i love that and also just just so it's not confusing like like the when i was first reading the gita it's like supreme personality of godhead Essentially, that's a really uh, fancy way to say Krishna, right? Yeah. And in this particular verse, they they highlight the word transcendence with a capital T. I think that's another way to just say Krishna as well, oh, right? Cool. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember that Supreme Person of Godhead. When I was when I was first reading this, I like tried to make like an acronym. So it's S P O G. So I it's like Spog. And I used to call Krishna Spoggy, like the what? Supreme Personality of Godhead. So it's like, and the Spoggy said, you know, so like just to make it shorter for me to remember. So just so if you're reading this for the first time and you spoggy. hear those words, Supreme Personality of Godhead, you should just remember Spoggy or Krishna. More and, importantly, remember Krishna. And if that were transcendental, also if you're just tuning in and that's a little overwhelming, basically that means anything that goes beyond this material world. And things in this material world always have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So it's basically what's eternal? What goes beyond all? All of this that's like dreamlike, essentially, because when you die, it all ends. And we call it material world because it's full of material things, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's already the world. We call it the world, but we call it material world because we're material beings made out of you know, I'm a material matter. Guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm a material. So I know because I don't think that's a common way of talking about the world. Yeah. The material no. world is very much a, like a Bhagavad Gita phrase or like Bhagavad Gita sent the yeah, word right. that we use all the time, but that just means the world. So we just did a quick vocabulary lesson. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll quiz you later. <laughs> but going back to um, the loopholes, I think it's been mentioned pretty much uh, at the end of every text for the last few texts that the Sankin, Sankirtan Yagya is like the most powerful Yagya. So like you can either just become Krishna consciousness or you can just do the Sankirtan Yagya, which means gathering with people and chanting the names of the Lord, right? And chanting mm-hmm. the Mahamantra. And like yes. that's the most powerful. So like that's two loopholes right there that you right. can choose from. They're technically one and the same because being a devotee means we're chanting the names yeah. of the Lord. But that's kind of another, you know... It's okay, I love loopholes. Just make it, just say the English <laughs> To break like, it yeah, down for loopholes. a second, because the Sankirtan, like she said, gathering and chanting, it's so beautiful because this path of bhakti yoga that we're all on gives you like specific, if you do X, Y, and Z, follow this formula, you'll attain Krishna. Because you can just do kirtan all together, like musical meditation, chanting his names together. Then you can chant those names alone through the form of japa. That that's like your personal private conversation with Krishna, saying his names, but when you're alone and you're trying to develop that and then read the books and it's like, and repeat, and you'll start mm. feeling the taste growing. Chant kirtans all together, chant your japa alone and have your private conversation with Krishna that realizations will start coming up. Read, repeat. So that goes enhancing the taste. As we said, taste the honey, open the jar, taste it. Don't don't just get stuck in philosophizing Admiring about the it. jar. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's another cool fact here on text 15. It says, um, I wanted to share this because I don't know if I've ever known 
the names or anything like that, but there's four Vedas, right? Because we're always talking about the Vedic scriptures, mm-hmm. the Vedas, Vedas, Vedas. So there's four basically what you can think of as books, books of like uh, laws of the world, just spiritual guidance, like everything that we're kind of reading. And so their names are Rag Veda, Yajur. Ja- 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 <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's what we're going to call that Is one. Is it Rig Veda? Yeah, Rig Veda. Oh, Yajur you're right. Veda. It's Rig, Rig, Rig. You're right. Rig Veda, Yag. Say it again. Yajur. Okay. Veda. <laughs> I just said it was Sama a Veda and Atharva Veda. So just for fun fact, if you know, four Vedas out there. Nice. Just cool. Anything fun else? Random fact. No, thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Anything else for chapter 15 before we move on to text 16? All right, Emily. My dear Arjuna, one who does not follow in human life the cycle of sacrifice thus established by the Vedas certainly leads a life full of sin. Living only for the satisfaction of the senses, such a person lives in vain. It's okay. kind of a recap of what we talked about, right? Yeah, and someone might say, but didn't you just say we don't have to do yagyas and sacrifices? Yes, but that's if you're doing Krishna consciousness. Here's kind of just prefacing it by saying living a life of sin is one that's only to try and satisfy your senses. Yeah, if you're taking, 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 and everything that you do is all about yourself and making sure that you're having a good, jolly time, that is living in vain. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the purport has this word, uh, the mammonist philosophy uh, of work very hard and enjoy the sense gratification is condemned here by the Lord. That sounds like the college motto, work hard, play hard, whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah. it does. Uh, very much so. It's actually like the American motto. Right. You know, work very hard and enjoy the sense gratification. And like, Christian's like, no, that's not life. <laughs> um, I, I looked up the word mammonist. Uh, tell us, Thank you. Uh, one devoted to the pursuit of wealth. Mm, so it's literally the American motto. It's the capitalist, right. yeah. That's the entire capitalist <laughs> mentality. God. Yeah, it says that those who want to enjoy this material world, uh, the above mentioned cycle of performing yagya is absolutely necessary. Oh, that's so important. Say yeah. it again, because it's those who not just want Krishna consciousness, but no. it's for who? It's like people, I mean, every single person out there, those who want to enjoy this material world, the above-mentioned cycle of performing yagyas is absolutely necessary. So Krishna's totally mm. laying it all out. He just explained all the different forms of yagyas ranging from dark to light. And now he's even taking it a step further, telling Krishna, I mean, Krishna's telling Arjuna, <laughs> Krishna's telling Krishna, already. He's telling Arjuna, no, 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 but wait, yagyas is not for everyone. Only if you want to try to enjoy the senses in this world, because there's even a step above it. You know, he's giving totally like the sliding scales, the steps to the highest platform, but he's laying it out one step at a time. Yeah. I mean, it's like, not like you can do yagyas uh, unless you fit into this category. It's always great to do sacrifices in everyday life to make small sacrifices, but it's more so like if you particularly just want to enjoy life, there's tons of people that are like, uh, what is that? YOLO? You only live once. YOLO. Right? Like, I'm going to just yeah. do <laughs> whatever because I only have this one experience. So I'm going to go crazy and do everything and get everything and have the nicest car and like all this material stuff. Then there, And then Krishna's like, well, you specifically need help um, because that would only make all those lines that we talked about in the previous uh, in the previous episode, episode yeah. you know, those lines that are tying you to this material world. The bondage. Right. The bondage, right? It's only going to create more of those lines which trap you here. So by right. doing sacrifice, you're kind of getting rid of those lines. So yes. it's Snip, 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 snip. Exactly. And I want to read this next line because you know what? It paints an image to me. There's so much to unpack in each line of the Gita we can say so much on because 
we are basically trying to establish a personal loving relationship to a Lord who also just wants our love. So let me read this and unpack it. It says, there is no necessity of rigidly following the performances of the prescribed yagyas for the transcendentalists who are above vice and virtue. But those who are engaged in sense gratification require purification by the above mentioned cycle of yagya performance. Uh-huh. So, right. <laughs> what? Those might confuse them. So basically, yeah, only those people who want to engage in sense gratification in enjoying their senses, kind of those people who did not have the, the notion of giving and receiving and have, in a sense, destroyed our earth. Mm-hmm. They're just taking, taking for me, 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 and squeezing everything out of it as if it's an object for us to enjoy. Those are the people that need to re- require purification, and then they can perform yagyas or sacrifices as a way to develop that gratitude. But Krishna's saying... There's no need to do that all so rigidly following all these prescribed performances of yagyas and whatever for a transcendentalist or someone who has this vision that goes beyond this world who can connect to Krishna in a pure, loving way. So a devotee of Krishna. A devotee of Krishna, someone who is Krishna conscious. He's saying there's no need for all that rigidity. He wants our love. So there's something beyond that. It's not that you don't have to perform yagyas, but there's something even sweeter that the Lord wants even more. So if you want to love Krishna and to want to develop that relationship with Krishna, you don't have to worry about yagyas. And as long as you're making that constant effort to do so. But if you want to enjoy like material things like nice clothes, cars, whatever it is, like, and be in that mindset, then you should perform yagya so that right. you don't become entangled in these, like, lines of, like, these bondage to this world. Right. Yeah. And to me, this paints such a loving image of Krishna because he wants everyone to essentially be happy and connect to him and go back to their eternal home that he's providing stepping stones or a sliding scale. If you can't do this, do this. If you can't do this, do this. So even if you're not the most pure, enlightened person, don't worry, do this. Eventually, if you follow this process, you'll get there. Like he, how sweet, right? I think it's a very, it's very merciful to have a God that isn't like you, if you don't do this, you're going to be in hell or whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's like, he's really like looking at understanding that human beings are complex creatures, right? And that we are not perfect. And so if you can't do this, then here are some other paths that you can choose as well. You're not doomed to a life of eternal hell. You know what I mean? It's like right. there are different pathways for you to be in and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the cool thing is like ideally we all want to go back to him and enjoy without, you know, uh, death, disease, old age and all these things. Right. And so this is a cool, interesting part. It says one who performs yagyas or sacrifices is sure to become Krishna conscious. So it's like you were a materialist, right? And you need to do these sacrifices so that you don't get entangled. And actually what ends up happening is you become a devotee and then oh you get God. to go back to Krishna. It's literally what happened so, when I was, when I was like a teenager, right? It's like, <laughs> I love clubbing. I love going out, I love partying. And then no one stopped me from doing any of those things, but they said, chant Hare Krishna, like just chant a little bit more. Just just meditate a little more and then naturally all of those desires like kind of melted away I love that. yeah oh that's mm. so great that's a, such a practical example um and then the last super interesting thing i thought is this um one should not limit his progress only to the point of moral codes but should transcend them to attain krishna consciousness and the way i simplify that is doing the morally right thing is basic yeah you, there's something higher than that, which is Krishna consciousness. Same. So that's basically, basic. no, yeah, that's basically kind of the concept of yagyas, like 
If you just do yagyas, that's great. You'll get there. But Krishna wants love. So you can get there indirectly or directly. He's laying out many pathways, but he just wants love, not just rigid principles and moral codes. Yeah, yeah. Not like I'm just going to do the right thing and that's it, right? Like there's right. something beyond that. Right. So Love that. Beautiful. I thought that was cool. Text right. number 17, Priya. But for one who takes pleasure in the self, those human... Whose human life, let me try that again. But for one who takes pleasure in the self, whose human life is one of self-realization and who is satisfied in the self only, fully satiated, for him there is no duty. Ooh, interesting. This essentially talks about, I think... Well, you know what? I read it without the self being capitalized. I should have done it how you do it, Shamli. Uh, right, right, because they can't it see. It reads it differently, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but for one who takes pleasure in the capital S self, so Krishna, for one who takes pleasure in Krishna, whose human life is an... Is, oh, somebody else read it. No, 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 no. <laughs> But for one who takes pleasure in Krishna, whose human life is one of Krishna consciousness, right? Who is satisfied in Krishna only, fully satiated, for him there is no duty. There we go. Good job. Right? Thank you so much. So he's just remembering to capitalize all of the selves in here, and like that self means Krishna, and then this verse makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because it even says in the purport, if one's Krishna conscious, all impiety in our heart is instantly cleansed which, get this, it's an effect of many, many thousands of yagya performances. Whoa. Like, that shows the effect of Krishna consciousness. You can just bypass all of the rules and regulations and just go directly to loving Krishna and everything will fall into place. Mm. Love that. Anything yeah. else? It just says such a, such a Krishna conscious person is no longer interested in material activities and no longer takes pleasure in material arrangements like wine, women, and similar infatuations. Oh, so interesting. I know. And it kind of makes the same point that you were just saying. Like you naturally gave up um, these things that no longer really were that interesting once you started making progress in your Krishna consciousness. There's one line that caught my attention here at the end that says, well, basically, if we're able to clear our consciousness and be become fully confident in our eternal connection to and our relationship with the Supreme, then our duty becomes self-illuminated by the grace of the Lord, and therefore we no longer have any obligations to the Vedic injunctions. So the part that I loved, that I underlined, his duty, our duty, will become self-illuminated by the grace of the Lord when we connect to him in our eternal relationship. Self-illuminated, like he's that's, highlighting it for you. He is, that's incredible, because that connects to what I said in the beginning about like, okay, put your head down, just do your duty. And if you kind of let go of your ego, let go of being attached to, I'm the doer, all of this, and let God's grace work through you, this is literally saying, he will guide you moment to moment and illuminate the path moving forward to you by his grace. That's incredible. That's really you cool. have nothing then to stress about or worry about because whether you're doing bhakti yoga or directly connecting in service through your eternal dharma or whether you're doing karma yoga and transforming your temporary dharma or your temporary work through your consciousness, if you're able to transform your consciousness, Krishna will illuminate the path moving forward. That's amazing. Self-illuminating. Self-illuminating. So through that. your heart, Krishna in your heart will direct you like a little puppet. And like, you'll know. Like it's like it's also like following your intuition. You uh -huh. know? It's like that's Krishna guiding you to like what's the right thing to do. And it's that soft voice within that's not loud and blaring, that's your mind. It's the subtle, subtle, soft voice that if you can slow your mind down, control your senses through this path, you'll be able to hear and tune into. 
Love that. Can we do text 18? All right. A self-realized man has no purpose to fulfill in the discharge of his prescribed duties, nor has he any reason not to perform such work, nor has he any need to depend on any other living being. So, yeah, basically, if you're self-realized and connected to Krishna, he's got you. You just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, it says whatever he does in Krishna consciousness is sufficient in the discharge of his obligation. Yeah, it's kind of a recap of what we talked about Mm -hmm. in the previous verses as well. Yeah, text 19. Okay. Therefore, without being attached to the fruits of activities, one should act as a matter of duty. For by working without attachment, one attains the supreme. So again, the concept of head down, just keep doing your duty. And as you cleanse your heart, let go of your ego, stop identifying as the doer. Krishna will guide you and you'll attain him. And he'll take you moment to moment where you go. It's a little bit difficult, right? Because this verse says, you know, do your duty, but don't like work for the 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 fruits right or like don't work don't be attached to the fruits and to be honest guys even as like devotees or people who are practicing bhakti yoga that is so difficult mm-hmm. you know because if i work so hard in my job or if i work so mm. hard in in school or something like that i am expecting something at yeah. the end of it right and it is so difficult and so it's like it's like really just like taking a step back and understanding like okay like i'm actually not in control of these results i'm not in control of promotion I'm not in control of this. I'm not in control of that. And so, and so it's just like, it's hard. Right. And do you guys feel that too? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I think it starts with like one step at a time, starting to see like, okay, I'm not the doer. What does that mean? So I'm a teacher. And if I'm able to really use what Krishna's given me, my gifts, we all have different gifts that we're trying to apply. So if I'm able to use my gifts to connect with the children, it starts by, I'm not the doer. Krishna's given me this and I'm going to just carry out my duty and be detached. So instead of thinking, oh, I'm so great. I'm able to really do this, this and that. No, no, no. Then you get puffed up and you're you're going to be smashed one way or another at your pride. That so is true. It's like, no, instead see it as something from Krishna. I'm going to try to utilize this because then I can become an instrument for him and he'll be able to clearly work through me if I purify my vessel and he can work his magic. That's like a forever life lesson. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, I feel like I'm spending my whole life learning this. Mm-hmm. You know? And so uh, connecting it back to Arjuna, basically Arjuna is told that he should fight in the battle of Kurukshetra for the interests of Krishna because Krishna wants him to fight and to be a good man or a non-violent man is a personal attachment. So like just thinking like, well, am I a good man? Am I this? Like being, these are attachments that we have to this material world, but to act on behalf of the Supreme is to act without attachment for the result. Right. So that's like the practical thing. And in a way, you know, Priya, when you act without attachment, you're able to really see what is, you're able to develop a transcendental perspective because you see what is Krishna's plan. So if something fails, Maybe that's for a reason. Krishna's kind of subtly within trying to say, no, 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 go this way. It's not, that's not the way for you. Like when I tore the ligaments in ice skating and I couldn't go to the Olympics that I trained my whole life. It's like, maybe that wasn't the path for me. And I would have gone a total different route. And then now I'm starting to find other things. Everything serves a purpose, but he's, his hand is kind of boom, boom, guiding you from one end to another. So if something fails, don't just see it on the material realm like, ah, it's a failure. Try to see it transcendentally or bigger picture that maybe there's some reason behind it that's a little more 
transcendental and magical in a way. That's so beautiful because there's so many people, like so many athletes, right? Their careers get ruined because of one injury, right? Mm -hmm. And they think they're going to go to all these big places and whatnot. And then when they, when they don't, when they don't achieve these things, they're just like, they go into depression, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're, because they've placed so much on the expectations and the outcomes of what their, what their desires were, right? Right. Yeah. And I look back and like, okay, I can still take so many lessons from it. When I would get nervous for competitions, I'd mentioned before, my mom would talk about the Gita, like Krishna telling Arjuna, just do your duty. This has all happened. So I would try to channel my focus and detach myself from the results. So many lessons I applied there, but that clearly wasn't my path. So I had to detach from the results. I wanted it so badly. It didn't happen, but I guess Krishna has a plan and it's not that. Mm. I think it's uh, being on Arjuna's position. It's like probably a little bit harder than it is for us in that like he has Krishna right in front of him. Telling him exactly what he's supposed to do. Like we get little direction here and there, right? When something goes well or where something doesn't go well. But Krishna is literally saying, go fight. Imagine that position. Yeah. I'm kind of a little envious of Arjuna because he was like told (laughs) by Krishna what exactly to do. Like I wish as I was like, as I came out of the womb and I was a little baby, I wish it was like stamped on my forehead, like what my job was. I was like, But imagine, imagine if it went against everything you thought you should be doing, right? Because that's the position he's in. That's true. Like imagine Krishna was like, hey, you got to go get a corporate job where you work 80 hours a week. And Arjuna's like, I don't want to, I don't look good in a tie. He's like, (laughs) you know. That would be Arjuna's top concern, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's a task really hard to get to be detached, but um, we just gotta trust that there's a bigger picture, like Shamali yeah. was saying. Yeah. Some that. signs will be subtle, some will be very in your face. So Krishna will sometimes scream at you, he'll sometimes whisper. You just gotta open your eyes to see them. All right, that wraps up our episode now. We will start with text number 20 of chapter three. Tune in next time. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. beautiful souls if you like what you're hearing please follow us on instagram at modern yogi podcast and if you love what you're hearing please make sure to share a link to our podcast at modern yogi podcast with all your friends families and long lost cousins and if you have any questions at all send us a dm on instagram at modern yogi podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you thank you for listening to the The Modern modern yogi